Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. The secret to catching prize-worthy fish? Fishing like a local. Jonas Knox here with Fishing Booker. The valuable knowledge of a local guide can turn a fishing trip of no bites into the best catch of the day. Go to fishingbooker.com to discover thousands of local fishing charters from all around the world and create your perfect angling adventure with their easy-to-use online booking system. Visit fishingbooker.com and book your trip today. Fishing Booker. Fishing trips made easy. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Michelin tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. We hinted about this a little bit yesterday. We obviously broke down the AFC title game substantially. And the NFC title game, to a certain extent, there wasn't much to be said about the NFC, but there was a lot to the AFC. And last week we talked about it a little bit too, but I think one of the most intriguing stories now that Tom Brady is on to his eighth Super Bowl is his relationship as the greatest athlete on team sports of all time. I think you can make a solid argument for Tom Brady right now when you think about his overall, you know, sort of entire resume as an athlete. In the last 16 years where he has been eligible and healthy and starting, he has made the AFC title game 12 times. And of those 12 times that he has made the AFC title game, eight times he has now advanced to the Super Bowl. So eight of the 16 years that Tom Brady has been eligible to make the Super Bowl as a starting quarterback in the NFL, he has. And so far, he's gone 5-2 and two in those games, and he's favored to win this one to get to 6-2 and two over the Eagles. And I think the comparison now between Tom Brady and Michael Jordan is almost impossible to overlook. Which of those guys would you say is the most dominant team athlete, maybe of all time, but certainly of the last 40 years. I'm 38 years old. 40 years is two generations. If you go all the way back to 1978, 
there is nobody who has been as dominant as Michael Jordan and Tom Brady. So which guy is more dominant than the other? Which guy is the greatest at team athlete of the last 40 years? Now, there are other guys I think you could make arguments for who are individual sport guys. Roger Federer in tennis, maybe Michael Phelps in swimming, Usain Bolt if you want to go with track and field. I think all of those guys could be open to the argument of best individual athlete. Serena Williams, if you want to go into women's tennis, I think all of them are the best individual athlete, potentially the greatest of all time, at their individual sports, the four that I just named. There are probably others you could make arguments for, but the greatest team athlete of all time And by all time, I mean the last 40 years, because I think it gets more difficult if you move beyond 40 years to compare individual talent. Do you say, oh, Bill Russell? Do you say, uh, you know, I I could go back through a list of old-time guys that I never saw play, and so I'm literally just looking at records on paper and trying to assess them. So I would say modern athlete. Modern era, meaning the last 40 years, that's two generations of sports. I think it's Brady, and I think it's Michael Jordan. Now, some of you LeBron guys out there can make your LeBron argument inevitably because a lot of you are up early in the morning or you haven't gone to bed yet in L.A. There's the Kobe Bryant crew that always steps up and makes the argument for Kobe anytime you argue about best ever. But really, I think it's Jordan, and I think it's Brady. And I'm going to put up a poll question on this. I'm curious in general because I tied in this last week that the difference between Jordan and Brady, I don't know how much of it has to do with modern kind of society, but there was some pushback from my crew, but ultimately the poll reflected that I was true. The vast majority, the, the vast, that I was correct, the vast majority of you were rooting for Michael Jordan. When Jordan played in his sixth finals against the Jazz, about 70% of you, according to my poll, were rooting for Michael Jordan to win his sixth title. I bet about 30% of you are rooting for Tom Brady to win his sixth title against the Eagles. And it's not like the Eagles are a particularly lovable group. I mean, Eagle fans are notoriously unlikable. So it's not as if the Eagles are some, like, tiny, small market, total David going up against Goliath. Philadelphia is a pretty big city. They've had some decent success, even though they haven't won a title. They have a massive fan base that's every bit the same size of the New England Patriots, if not larger. And so it's not as if the Eagles are some shrinking violet, totally endorsed small market team. Yet I believe that about 30% of you will be rooting for Tom Brady and the Patriots. 70% of you will be on the side of the Eagles. It's the exact opposite, basically, of what happened when Michael Jordan was playing. But I'm also curious whether you guys will believe that Jordan or Brady is the superior team athlete or if there's somebody that I'm missing in the last 40 years. Maybe there's some Wayne Gretzky people out there. I'm not an expert in hockey, but I think it has to be Jordan and I think it has to be Brady. I think they're 1A and 1B regardless. I'm going to give you a number because I'm curious what you guys think about this. 877-996-6369 is the phone number. Which of the two now, 
that Brady is going to his eighth Super Bowl and seeking to win his sixth title. I think that Jordan and Brady are pretty even, but I think that what Brady has done is more impressive than what Jordan did. I think if you look at the longevity of Brady's career, the fact that he's been essentially in the mix for 16 years in the NFL, the fact that there's nobody else really even close to what Brady has been able to accomplish. There are lots of guys in the NBA over time that have gotten on hot streaks. It's not uncommon for an NBA team to win a couple of titles in a row, to win three titles in a row, and ultimately, Brady's game is so much more physically demanding, even though he's a quarterback. Even though he's a quarterback and the rules have been changed to protect quarterbacks, on any given play, Brady's career could theoretically come to a close. Do you feel the same thing about Michael Jordan and his career? I know Jordan had one serious injury when in, in the 80s, but in terms of his longevity, he was pretty outstanding as well. But to me, this is becoming the quintessential sports debate. Who you got, Brady or Jordan, now that Brady is going to his eighth Super Bowl? I'm going to bring in the crew. I'll take your phone calls on it, 877-996-6369. I'm going to put up the poll question. You can go vote on Twitter. I'm at Clay Travis there. Got a lot of stuff uh, rolling your way here on the show as well. Want to give you a roadmap for those of you who are listening on the podcast. Going to get into a couple of uh, interesting stories. I don't know if you're paying attention to the Australian Open. Probably not at all. But there is an intriguing story there. The last American left, Tennis Sangren, was asked about his Twitter follows and whether or not they are acceptable, really, in the post-match interview he did. I've got an invite out to him to come on. It's possible he's going to come on the show this morning. Obviously, there is a massive difference in the time zones, so I'm not sure whether he's going to hop on with us or not. We also are going to talk, I believe, with Dan Wetzel about a story that, frankly, we haven't talked about very much on this show, but has become almost as ugly, if not more so even, than the uh, Jerry Sandusky situation at Penn State. And that's this uh, Larry Nasser trial that involves all the U.S. women's gymnastics team, all of the women that he was sexually abusing as a Michigan State employee, as a United States Gymnastics Federation official team physician. What has been going on in a Lansing, Michigan courtroom is flat-out remarkable and, uh, and not in a good way. Dan Wetzel has been there covering it, Yahoo Sports national columnist. I believe he's going to join us and talk about that story because I do think we need to talk about it given how massive potentially the overall fallout of that story is. Again, I think it's Jerry Sandusky-like taking place right now at Michigan State and the U.S. women's gymnastics team. I think we're going to talk about that in hour two. And then in hour three, we'll continue to roll and we'll talk to my guy, Petros Papadakis about all the drama that seems to be building in the NBA. Kevin Love, do the Cavs want him or not? What exactly is taking place with the Lakers? Has the Luke Walton commentary died down? Is he in trouble? And in general, we'll discuss all of that. Maybe also The Bachelor, which is off and running with my man Petros at Petros and Money, AM 570 Sports in LA. All of that, but for hour one, I believe, let's let's have some fun debating Jordan versus Brady. And I think one way that could be fun to debate it is almost we do trial style. 
where you guys call in and make your argument for why one guy is superior to the other. Lead with your best stuff. Bring the high heat. 877-996-6369. I'll also pull my crew and see which of the two they would argue. And you can tell me. Uh, if if I, I do find it really kind of fascinating that Jordan was supported by about 70% of the American population. Yes, I understand you Nick fans hated him. I understand Jazz fans were rooting against uh, the, the, the Bulls dynasty. I understand there are lots of you Pacers fans probably who did not like Michael Jordan because of what he did against your teams. But I do find it fascinating that we've moved from an era where Michael Jordan, who was far from perfect, but all, we all thought he was perfect, is uh, renowned and appreciated and rooted for by about 70% of the population to latter-day Tom Brady, who I think is roughly the equivalent of Jordan. Like I said, the two best team athletes of the last 40 years, and the vast majority of people are going to be rooting against Brady to win his sixth Super Bowl title. And that'll really make him completely equal, Jordan and Brady as well. But I think this has turned into now probably the most interesting and entertaining sports debate. It's a little bit evergreen, but I think with the Patriots advancing to the Super Bowl, it's one that's worth debating. Who is the greatest team athlete of all time, Jordan or Brady? We'll talk about it. I'm Clay Travis. Your phone calls eight seven seven nine nine six six three six nine. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Progressive Insurance, creators of the Name Your Price tool. Choose from a range of coverage options and pick the price that works for you. Visit Progressive.com today. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Poll question is up. Having some fun this morning on the debate between the best athlete over the like last uh, 40 years, team sport athlete, Tom Brady or Michael Jordan. And already nearly a 1,000 of you have voted. And not a surprise to me because he's more liked. Michael Jordan out to a 60% to 40% lead. You can find my poll question at Clay Travis there. Which team athlete is better? Jason Martin, who you got? I've got Jordan, and I think it's an interesting question, and I think it's a fair question because you've got four MVP awards in the Super Bowl for Tom Brady. You've got six for Michael Jordan, but I really look at it and think Jordan would have won eight in a row if he did not left to play baseball in 1994 when the Rockets won back-to-backs. Six MVPs out of eight years, six in all six years that he played. I just... I don't really think it's particularly close, although I don't think anybody else you could really make an argument for. I just, the dominance that Jordan showed, it has nothing to do, at least for me, with likability. I also look at the fact that Brady did lose two Super Bowls, almost lost a third. The almost is actually one of the most impressive things he's ever been a part of, however. So I would definitely go with Jordan, I would say, head and shoulders above Brady, but nobody else. What about longevity? guys in L.A., how much do you factor in if Brady wins a title at the age of 40, just being in the mix as many years as he has? And I also think the NFL is way more competitive than the NBA. I understand the NBA. There's like if every year you start in the NBA, there are about four teams, if that, that can really win a title. And that's that's the totality of it. Whereas in the NFL, on any given year – 
things can swing pretty substantially. I mean, the Jags went from 3-13 and 13 to almost going to the Super Bowl this year. That doesn't happen in the NBA. There's not any time that I can think of recently where a team has been awful, like one of the three or four worst in the NBA, and then ended up being one of the three or four best. You just don't have those swings. And frankly, when you start an NBA season, at least so far, barring injury, there's almost no actual suspense in terms of which team wins the title. Like right now, everybody dives into the NBA regular season, and there's a lot of drama. What's going to happen with Kevin Love, uh, J.J. Berea, and uh, John Wall going back and forth with insults, all this stuff. But the NBA regular season, to me, is basically worthless because it's all unnecessary in the sense that the team we thought was the best before the NBA season started, the Golden State Warriors, is likely to be the best at the end. And it's unlikely, given a seven-game series, that anybody's going to be able to beat them, barring injury. So I think the best argument for Brady is longevity and the fact that in the modern era, other than Joe Montana, it's almost impossible to find anybody else who's ever been in the mix for as long as Brady has from a Super Bowl perspective. What do you guys think in L.A.? Who would you take as the greatest? And, and is there any other argument? Is there any other I, a- argument for an athlete that I'm missing well, uh, on a team sport? Again, I said individual sports. For those of you starting off your day, I said we can take, a, take away individual, team, uh, individual sport performances, whether you're talking about Michael Phelps, Serena Williams, Roger Federer, maybe Usain Bolt. Those are guys who are entirely on their own. And maybe you even want to toss in Floyd Mayweather as a boxer. But all of those guys are individual. So I think it's hard to compare an individual dominance with a team sport dominance. So we're focusing on team sport when we say Brady versus Jordan. He was before our time, but Bill Russell won 11 titles in 13 years. Yeah, I mean, I I said it's hard to compare. So I'm saying in the last 40 years, really, kind of the modern era. Because I do think the longer back you go, the more difficult it is to compare individual players from you're just like I've never seen Bill Russell play I have no idea how good he was I have no idea how good he was relative to everybody else on the team was he the best player on that team every year I don't think he was and so we know at a minimum Jordan and Brady were the best players on their teams every year and I think a lot of people are going to vote Jordan because they like Jordan more than Brady I think the way these poll results are going to come out is really going to be a function of People like Jordan more than Brady, and and I think that's what the results are going to show us. But I'm more interested in the actual breakdown of why people would make the argument that they are. And it's interesting to compare the two sports. Obviously, the NFL is more violent, but in the NBA, you got to play both ways. You're playing offense and defense, so I think you need to take that into consideration. I would give my vote to Jordan just because he never lost in the finals. There's some always some Houston Rockets truthers who come out too when you say if Jordan hadn't had to miss those two seasons. That's the one. Yesterday I went after conspiracy theorists. Um, we could probably do a fun show at some point where we just take calls on conspiracy theories that people actually believe. One conspiracy theory that I actually believe is that Jordan got suspended for gambling on NBA games. I've never believed that he just suddenly decided he wanted to go play baseball. I think there was some sort of super secret probation uh, involving Michael Jordan for the NBA involving gambling, and I think that's the reason why he left. Because I do think otherwise he would have won eight straight titles. I think the Houston Rockets, the city of Houston, would be even more uh, bereft of titles prior to the Astros championship. 
I think they would be sitting around. There's always those Rockets truthers who say, oh, we would have won Hakeem Olajuwon. Can he? No, you wouldn't have. Jordan would have won eight in a row if he had decided to not take two years off for some reason. I think that would obviously strengthen his argument. But the NBA is one where dominant cycles tend to happen, where guys go out and win two, three, sometimes four championships in a row. Not unheard of for a team to just get hot in the NBA and be untouchable. What about you, Robert? Who you got? Um, well, I, I was trying to uh, find a couple of honorable mention type guys, you know, before I made my vote. And one of the guys I think that kind of gets overlooked in the, the greatness category, um, li- largely because of Michael Jordan, is Magic Johnson. Now, he went to nine finals in 12 seasons and won five of them. So I know that the mystique of Jordan is that he never lost in the finals, but the fact is getting there as often as Magic did in the 80s is something that should be appreciated. Um, as far as the Jordan versus uh, Brady, I-, I would go Tom Brady. I just because I don't think that you know you don't see guys in the NFL get to that many Super Bowls, you know, that frequently. Um, it's more of a uh, overchange every year. You know, worst to first. You see that every season in the NFL, and for them to be consistently in the Final Four and for him to win as much as he does, I think is more impressive to me. One of the uh, intriguing kind of questions out there. Again, I think Jordan versus Brady, 877-996-6369. We also have, I'm going to go to, I'm going to let you guys load up the phone lines, 877-996-6369. I will go to your calls here momentarily. But I just saw this, and, and I, I understand that it's it's going on on the West Coast right now. Robert, what's the story with the tsunami warning? Yeah, there was an earthquake, I think about 175 miles, I believe, off the coast of Alaska. So now there's a tsunami warning all the way up and down the West Coast, starting with Alaska all the way down to here in L.A. And um, it's a it's a scary sight, especially in Alaska. There's a video right now of people, residents in Kodiak especially, of having to evacuate. So um, it's not looking good. So we want everyone to be safe out there, and uh, they're recommending if you can – you know, get to higher ground if possible. Uh, so anyway, that's a that's a crazy story that I think maybe a lot of people aren't anticipating as you start your days on the West Coast, and a lot of you may be close to the uh, to the um, the coast certainly. So kind of take note of that. Let me bring in um, Eddie Garcia. Find out what's shaking the world of sports, then we'll go to your calls. All right, Clay, let's start with some coaching news in the NFL where the New York Giants officially named Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer as their next head coach. He agrees on a five-year deal. Arizona Cardinals hire Steve Wilkes as their next head coach. He comes over from the Carolina Panthers where he was defensive coordinator. He gets a four-year deal. NBA games of note, Pelicans beat the Bulls 132-128 in double overtime for New Orleans to Marcus Cousins at 44 points, 24 rebounds, 10 assists. He's the 10th player ever to get at least 40, 20, and 10 in a game, joining Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, and Elgin Baylor. The Timberwolves top the Clippers 126-118. Andrew Wiggins with 40 points for Minnesota. Rockets over the Heat 99-90, and the Bucks beat the Suns 109-105. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. And Clay, back to that Bucks team that beat the Suns last night. They did it without Jason Kidd, who was fired earlier on Monday as their head coach after three-plus seasons with the team. The team was holding down a playoff spot in the East in the eighth spot, but apparently that was not good enough for management, and Jason Kidd is out in Milwaukee. 
Good deal. Appreciate the update there from Eddie Garcia. I want to remind you, we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where it's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. And uh, early responses rolling in. We've got a 61% lead for Jordan in the early poll question of the morning here. Who is the greatest team athlete of the past 40 years, Jordan or Brady? 61% going with Michael Jordan over Tom Brady. Not surprising because I think a lot of people out there are uh, fans of Jordan more than they are fans of Brady, which also is its own intriguing discussion point. Why did we like break greatness more with Michael Jordan? Why was just about everybody out there rooting for Jordan to win his sixth finals title, win his sixth NBA t- uh, title against the Jazz, whereas only about 30% of people, I think overall, are rooting for Brady and the Patriots to win their sixth title. I mean, a lot of interesting uh, interesting debates here. Uh, let's go with uh, Joe in California. Joe, what's up? Hello? Yeah, you got him. Hi, I'll right. go with... Uh... Hello? Put Joe on pause. All right. I have to be difficult on the callers because you have to lead with your best punch. Assume when I say your name or something close to your name that you should talk. I've been trying to coach up callers on this show for nearly two years now, year and a half that this show has existed. And I shouldn't have to go to you multiple times and get your take, all right? You lead with your best punch possible line pretend that I am a smoking hot girl at the bar and you have to get my attention and keep it lead with your best possible line go with your thesis statement give me the best sentence of your life when I go to you otherwise I'm gonna have Jason Martin hang up on you and if you sound so dumb in the first three seconds that you're on the air I'm going to give Jason Martin authority to just drop you as well. We need to have an IQ test for callers on the show. If you sound like such an idiot in the first three seconds that everybody in all 50 states is rolling their eyes at the fact that you are on the radio talking, then we will drop you immediately. Do you like that power, Jason Martin? You have a stupidity Indeed, veto? Do, yes. You have a stupidity veto. All right. Not a good start for the callers. Let's go to Joe in California. Lead with your best. What you got? I would go with uh, Michael Jordan over Tom Brady because uh, the Tom Brady has too many like uh, cheating scandals on this team's resumes. And then also for you to say that uh, NBA seasons are pointless, I would have to go back a couple years to when the Warriors squeaked into the playoffs and knocked off the number one seed, uh, Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, that was like 20 years ago, bud. Wasn't a couple of years ago. I understand the argument of like how when you get older, it seems like things are a lot closer than they were. The telescope. I think the Warriors knocked off the Dallas Mavericks in like 2002. What year was that when the Warriors upset the Mavericks? The the number eight beat the number one. You also going to hit me with remember when Dikembe Mutombo when they still played five games and the Nuggets beat the Seattle uh, the Sonics? Yeah, that happened too. That was like 1998. 
Um, Clay, it was 2006, 2007 uh, season was that. So, that was like, I think it was Gilbert Arenas and that crew that beat him. So it wasn't a couple of years ago. It was over a decade ago. So, I mean, that's a pretty long time ago for an upset to be taking place. Yes. If you want to go back over a decade, that's also, by the way, the NBA playoffs, which is different than the NBA regular season. My argument is that the NBA regular season, by and large, doesn't matter at all. That was a great matchup for the Warriors. That was the most... Uh, the, the most, um, I guess, significant thing almost the Warriors had done in like 40 years prior to getting on this hot streak and putting together the team that they've got now. So it wasn't a couple of years ago, but yes, over a decade ago. Maybe you're right. Maybe the Warriors will get upset by the eighth seed in the uh, Western Conference Finals this year. What odds, quickly, as we go around the horn, would you give the Warriors to be upset by whoever the eighth seed is in the Western Conference? 1%? Less than 1%, Jason Martin. This year? Yes. 0%. Now, 0%. it has happened a lot more recently, though. It happened in 2011 with the Grizzlies over the Spurs, 2012 the 76ers over the Bulls. So it has happened in the last like five or six years. It's happened twice where the eight has Again, beaten the one. That but no, is, 0% the Warriors. That is the beat. actual playoffs, which is different than the regular season. So my argument is the NBA regular season, which is why we don't talk about it very much, the NBA regular season is the most worthless regular season in all team sports. NFL, by far the most significant, but the NBA, by far the least significant because there are only 30 teams in the NBA and 16 of them make the playoffs. We play 82 games in the NBA regular season to eliminate less than half the league. You have to only be in the top half to make the playoffs. Think about how much more difficult it is to make the NFL playoffs uh, hockey's kind of the same thing, but nobody really pays attention to hockey regular season anyway. Anybody believe there's any chance that the Warriors get upset? All right, let's move on. Um, John in Minnesota. What's up, John? Hey, Clay Morning. How are you? Excellent. Hey, how many rings does Brady have without Belichick? Well, how many rings does Jordan have without Phil Jackson? And I knew that was coming, but are we past the debate? I mean, for a while there we were talking about is Kobe the same without Phil? Is MJ the same without Phil? Seems like we're past that point in time, if that's fair to say. Only um, because they're not, not past- together now. Remember, Jordan had a reputation as a coach killer before Phil Jackson got to the Bulls. There was right. that, that was the reputation. And then Phil Jackson came in. He put everything together. He won all the rings. And the I, I, I don't... The Zen Master. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think the argument about the coaches is this one. Is Phil Jackson the greatest coach in the history of the NBA? I don't know, but I think most people would say, no, he's not. In other words, if you gave Greg Popovich all of the talent that Phil Jackson had, the expectation, I think, among most people out there is that Popovich would win at least as many titles as Phil Jackson did as a rough contemporary. In other words, that Popovich is the best coach of his era. Now, maybe that's not fair. Maybe we give Greg Popovich more of a pass because he didn't have the same level of talent. Remember, nobody else, it seemed, could win with the guys that Phil Jackson found a way to win with. He won five with Kobe, won six with Jordan. Maybe that's true that Popovich wouldn't have done any better. That could certainly be true. But I think there's no one out there listening to us right now who would argue that Bill Belichick is not the best coach in the history of the NFL. And that's why I think there's an intriguing question out there. I don't know the answer. But what would Peyton Manning have been capable of if 
Bill Belichick had been his coach. Who's the best coach that Peyton Manning ever played for? Tony Dungy? Maybe Dungy? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's an argument that, that, that you can make about who exactly would be the best that Manning has played for, but I don't think any of them are otherworldly, elite-level coaching talent that could put a team that wasn't the best into the mix to win a title. So I think that's the, the biggest takeaway there is that Brady, maybe you could knock Brady down. I think that's probably the strongest argument in favor of Jordan. Jordan made, was played for a good coach, maybe even a great coach in Phil Jackson, but not the best ever, whereas I think Brady is playing for maybe the best coach in the history of the NFL, maybe the best coach in the history of football, period. Earl in Orlando, what's up? All right, all I have to say, Brady and his knee. Come on, look what he's done after that injury, and he continues to amaze, amaze me as a player. On top of that, look at how many injuries that they've had to deal with in, on his team. What did um, Jordan have to deal with? Mm, nothing. He had, he had Steve Kerr. He had Scottie Pippen. Um, yeah, I don't remember. I, I mean, I, come I, on. I, yeah, I appreciate the call. I don't remember that many injuries that the Bulls had to deal with. I'm not that persuaded by the fact that Brady came back from a torn ACL. I mean, there have been a lot of guys come back from a torn ACL, and it's not like Tom Brady's raw athleticism defines him on the football field. I mean, he is not a guy who's supremely athletic. Mark in Atlanta. What's up, Mark? Yo, what's going on, fellas? Living the dream. Hello, fellas? Yeah. What you got, Mark? Okay, yeah, I'm I'm gonna give the slight hair to Michael Jordan, only based upon um, time frame which he accomplished uh, six titles. I would say within a fifteen year career, he accomplished those things at the height of, of the NBA, and he was able to have most of his accomplishment in a, in a shorter span than Brady. Yeah, look, That's I, I, would say Michael Jordan. I think there would be no argument here if Jordan hadn't taken the two years off to go play baseball. I think if Jordan had won eight straight titles, which he would have done, sorry Houston Rockets fans, I think if that had happened, that there would be no argument in our lifetimes for who is the most dominant team athlete. I think the fact that Jordan took those two years off and the fact that Brady's not done, if Brady gets six here and then gets seven – Guys out there, how many would you have to see Brady win in order, if he's not right now past Jordan, how many would he have to win? Jennifer, um, uh, we're taking calls. 877-996-6369. We'll take a few more of your calls. That's an interesting question. If Brady wins six, seven, let's say he wins eight. Let's say the Patriots win three straight titles to finish off Brady's career. Would you then put him above him? What does he need to do in order to pass Michael Jordan in some of your minds. 877-996-6369. We're taking your calls. Roadmap again. Hour two, we're going to talk to Dan Wetzel. Hour three, we will go to my guy Petros Papadakis out in L.A. That is what's scheduled here. Outkick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? Tax Slayer was recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on. Whatever the heck you want, this tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at taxslayer.com. Going to get to many of your calls I can here. Final segment, hour one. If you're just starting off with us, taking some calls, having some fun. Greatest team athlete of the last 40 years. Is it Brady? Is it Michael Jordan? Lots of you weighing in on the poll question. You can find that at Clay Travis. You can also weigh in online. we got loaded lines. Let's roll through them. Michael in Fort Lauderdale, who you got? 
Yeah, man, listen, uh, I'm going to have to go Brady here. Look, Jordan was one of my favorite athletes growing up, but, you know, Brady, like one guy said, ACL surgery comes back crying. But, look, the guy has been in the league, what, 17, 18 years? He's almost averaged the Super Bowl every other year for his entire career. Players get bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. The guy still gets better. He still reaches the championship game, if not the AFC championship game, almost every year. What is it like? Eight, not eight years in a row, something like that. Eight, eight of but the Jordan, yeah, that, That's the best argument. Thanks for the call. That's the best argument for Brady, I think, is eight of the 16 years that he has been healthy or started. He didn't start his first year in the league, and uh, and he got injured, obviously, and missed an entire season. Eight of the 16 seasons that Tom Brady has started in the playoffs, he has gone to the Super Bowl. And he's potentially going to be the NFL League MVP at the age of 40. The longevity for Brady is his best argument. Richard in Jacksonville. What's up, Richard? What's up, Clay? Not the biggest Jordan fan, but I got to give him it over Brady for the simple reason that I feel that there's probably three or four quarterbacks currently in the NFL who could have been capable of this run with this Patriots organization with Belichick. I hate to take away from Tom Brady on that, but that's just the truth. The other thing is one question for you. Who is the has, – has Brady beaten any dynasty of all of the five Super Bowls they've won? Is there any team that you think was really like a, a real serious, you know, challenge? Maybe the Seahawks, but they happen to be pretty banged up in the secondary. What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I think um, – and again, I'm going to have to go back through history now, but was Brady's first win not against the uh, the uh, the Rams – didn't they? Yeah, didn't they pull, the Rams. Yeah, a huge upset. I think that Rams team is probably the best dynastic team that he beat because that was a huge upset. I think they were like a ten point underdog, the New England Patriots that year to win the Super Bowl. So I would say that that was the uh, that's probably the biggest upset that we've seen. And I defy anybody who believed that we were going to see the run that we saw from Tom Brady. Uh, when they won that first Super Bowl. Now, look, I mean, there are other guys that could end up being dynastic. Would it stun you if Russell Wilson, who I think is going to have a really long career, at some point in his career has a team that's good enough to win multiple years in a row? No, it wouldn't stun me. I mean, and also, I think probably the guy that you should point to as dynasty-like is Peyton Manning. And so going head-to-head with Peyton Manning as often as he did in the same AFC I think oftentimes the biggest battle that Brady had was against Peyton Manning to get to the Super Bowl. And I think that's the best argument against Brady, frankly, is if you gave Peyton Manning everything that Tom Brady had in New England, that is oftentimes almost always a top 10 scoring defense, the greatest head coach of all time in Bill Belichick, would Peyton Manning have been less successful? I think that's probably the best argument you can make. Jim in York, PA. What's up, Jim? Was with so many, so many wrong opinions. Um, it, this is hands down. It's not even close. This is Brady. Um, think about this for a minute. Uh, Jordan was one of five guys on the court at any given time. He was on both sides of the ball. He was the greatest athlete out there. He could dominate. He could do whatever he had to do. Roethlisberger two weeks ago put up 42 points and lost. Right? Brady's got to overcome. He's done what he's done. Yes, he's had great coaching and all of that good stuff, but he, he's only on one side of the ball. Even when he's there, he's got ten other guys on his own on his own side of the ball that that could, could jeopardize things for him. It's it's absurd to think anything different, you know. So again, twenty percent Jordan versus his five guys, Brady one of twenty two guys. 
um, you know, you try to manage a family of five versus manage a family of 22, rather, and you'll see where it goes. So thank you. Interesting argument. I mean, the other argument would be that Jordan has more control over the game than Brady does. Like your argument of Ben Roethlisberger puts up 42 and his team loses, yeah, that sucks. But that's also a function of the quarterback not mattering as much when the defense gives up 45. I'm going to take all of your calls. I promise I'll get to you at the start of hour two. Then we're going to go to Dan Wetzel. Load up the lines, 877-996-6369. Let's try to get one more at least in. Tyson in Oregon. What's up, Tyson? So, Belichick, best coach. I mean, they could have had Garoppolo in. Tom Brady plays three hard games a year. He's got Pittsburgh, the AFC Championship, and the Super Bowl. Yeah, Jordan. I'm not buying into that. The the NBA the, the, we're going to drop that call. The the NFL, you can literally lose to any team that you play against in a 16 game season. That's why we have the phrase any given Sunday. Now is it unlikely? Yes, but look at what the Miami Dolphins look at what the Miami Dolphins did to the Patriots. If you don't show up ready to play, you can get dominated. The NFL regular season matters so much more than the NBA regular season. I just don't think that they're remotely comparable. Let's try to get one more fast one in. Kurt in Connecticut. What's up, Kurt? Hey, how we doing, guys? Living the so, dream. Uh, one thing I think you got to look at, you got to look at the actual sports themselves first and see what level of dominance has teams or players had in, in the sport. So you look at basketball, you've had LeBron's seven straight finals. You've had a Magic. You, you talked about Bill, and then we're not comparing that far back. But you see more strength and dominance by an individual player than you do in football. What other player in the game has done what Brady's done in a time where the league has had so much parity and tried to create so much parity? That's why talented guys like Peyton Manning we discussed didn't, hadn't had the same success. With, mind you, he had more talent on offense than Brady's had most of his career as well. I think it's very interesting, but I, I think you've got to go Brady. Strong argument. I think there's no doubt that it's harder to get to the Super Bowl if you are a great player, than it is to get to the NBA Finals if you are a great player. I, I really do think that's true. 877-996-6369, Brady versus uh, Michael Jordan, who is the greatest team athlete of all time. We'll take a few more of your calls, top of hour two. Then we're going to go to Dan Wetzel. Serious story that he's been covering in Michigan about the the mess that is Larry Nasser and everything that went wrong with the Michigan State uh, athletic program as well as the U.S. gymnastics team. We're going to get into all that in hour two. I'm Clay Travis. I'll keep the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. I think Jordan versus LeBron is played out. By and large, there's people who make their career living off of talking about Jordan and LeBron every single day. And it makes me want to shoot myself in the head with a nail gun. But the debate of Brady versus Jordan, I don't hear very much at all. And I think it's actually probably the most interesting debate in sports right now, especially with Brady going to his sixth, potentially, Super Bowl title if he can get past the Eagles. Um, A lot of you out there, it's funny, every time I mention the fact that I believe Jordan would have won eight straight titles if he had never retired and gone and played baseball, there are Houston Rocket fan truthers that are just convinced those two Houston Rockets teams are the greatest teams of all kind of all time, and they're all up in my mentions talking about how good Hakeem the Dream Olajuwon and Kenny Smith were and all those guys. 
And they're pointing out something that I think the Jordan crew out there often fails to acknowledge, which is Jordan came back in time for the 1995 playoffs. And they got beat, the Jordan-era Bulls team, did by the uh, by the uh, Miami, not even the Miami, Orlando Magic. The Nick Anderson-Orlando Magic-era team. And that was before the, was that the, the, the quarterfinals? Semifinals. Semifinals. It wasn't even the conference finals, right? They lost before the conference finals that year, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Now, Jordan was still number 45 then. He had just come back. They tried to steal it. Obviously, the next year, the Bulls' three-year repeat run comes on, and they just hadn't gelled yet as a team. But he came back right at the end of the year, and people tend to forget and not bring that up when they make their Jordan arguments. But I'm allowing you guys to make your arguments. You can go find uh, me on Twitter, at Clay Travis. You can put in your vote. And uh, the vast majority of you so far, with uh, around uh, 5,000 votes cast, Who's the greatest team athlete of the past 40 years, Jordan or Brady? It's sticking pretty much right around 60-40. Right around 60-40. Um, and uh, we will continue to uh, to break down this situation. Let's go to Juan in Pennsylvania. What's up, Juan? Hey, Clay. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, real quick, I had a question for you. What do you think is a good comparable in points differential for both sports, like Oh man, three points in the fourth quarter worth fifteen in the fourth quarter in basketball because that makes I, a big difference to how much better Brady is than Jordan when it comes to pressure moments and what he has to do on the field. Yeah, I think it, it's a good question. Um, I, I think that I, I don't know. I, I, the answer to your question, I don't know, and also it's it's difficult in basketball because you can't just go with points scored. It's points that you assisted on. It's rebounds. You know, it's all of the uh, all the factors that go into it. I would say in football, more so, we tend to focus on points scored uh, and give quarterbacks touch uh, credit for touchdown passes, all those things. Um, I think statistically, it's a challenge also because you have to be, you know, such a good student of the game to understand what goes into the game management aspects of being a quarterback, even if you're not trying to score in the fourth quarter. There are lots of plays that give your team a better chance to win. For instance, on third and nine, let's say, you don't have somebody open for a first down, but you do manage to dump it off to somebody to gain four yards. What's the value in the clock not stopping and your team being able to run another 40 seconds off if if you're nursing a lead? There are so many different intangibles there. It's an intriguing question, um, but I don't have an immediate answer because I don't think it's easy that's why this is such a good debate, I think, because I don't think it's easy to necessarily quantify all of the aspects of what goes into being a quarterback versus what goes into being essentially kind of the point guard on the court. Jordan wasn't technically the point guard, but he was the guy who was running the offense and, and leading and commanding the offense for all the years that he played. Let's go to Nick in Illinois. What's up, Nick? You know, what it comes down to is, you know, the popularity of uh, the sports that they're in. You know, the NFL is all about the shield for the shield. And we know that the NBA has had a history of marketing uh, individual players, really, you know, kind of starting with Michael. And as far as the poll goal goes, you know, Brady will never be able to win this popularity contest because, you know, heck, we're talking about the face of Nike. 
he sells more shoes than LeBron still does, and he hasn't played in 20 years. It'll I, never happen, even if Brady is, is better than Jordan. Yeah, how many do you think Brady would have to win in order for Brady to win our poll? I think we've lost Nick there. I mean, I think that's yeah, a fair question. It. Seven or eight. Paul Paps, how many do you think – first of all, I'm assuming you're going to go with Jordan, although I don't know that for a fact because <laughs> Jordan right now is winning. But how many would Brady have to win in order for you to take Brady as the better team athlete? I don't think I would ever go over, but he's definitely in the conversation. What I think is interesting is that a year ago this week, we were discussing the possibility of Brady being the greatest quarterback of all time and it no longer being a discussion. Now that's a foregone conclusion, and we're moving on to other sports, which yeah. shows where Brady is now. With Jordan, the one thing I would say in Jordan's favor, and again, I'm a, I'm a Chicago guy, so I'm a Jordan guy, but I'm trying to be objective here. Jordan never let an NBA Finals get to seven games. He yeah. never played in a game seven. So those finals were never really that close. They were some tough battles along the way. And I checked the Vegas odds last week because this topic was something we've been thinking about. Jordan and the Bulls were the favorites opening the season. In both seasons, the Rockets won the title. Before Jordan had retired, the preseason odds for the next season had the Bulls as a favorite. Not a surprise there, but I think the conventional wisdom is the Rockets were a great team, very, and they finally got their due because Jordan chose another sport. Yes. At least you could make the case going into the season, nobody was going to pick the Rockets to win it over the Bulls. The Rocket truthers are up there with the Kobe truthers. Like, there's different little, like, that's one thing that's great about regional sports fan bases still is that there are certain groups right now that mm-hmm. still believe things that are objectively, at least according to the national sports discussion, 100% not true. Like, there's a huge collection of Rockets fans right now who will listen to this podcast, who are right now in the city of Houston, and they're like, you're a liar, Clay Travis, you're crazy. Jordan Bulls would have lost to my Rockets, even if Jordan had been playing. They'd tried out all their little talks, just like the Kobe guys in L.A., like, if you'd spend any time in L.A. at all, you find out that there's a huge pocket of right. Kobe guys in L.A. who it doesn't matter what you argue, their answer is going to be Kobe Bryant. Like, right now, I'm surprised they haven't been able to get through and bombard the phone lines and come on and say, what are you talking about, Jordan versus Brady? Kobe yeah, Bryant yeah. is the greatest team athlete of all time. I agree with you, but Rockets fans do have this. I've always thought that Hakeem Olajuwon is one of the more underrated players of his generation. They always talk about different players that got more credit. If you go back and look at his stats, he, has a, he had seasons with 28, 14, and four-and-a-half blocks. So I think he's a bit underrated. They had a deep team with Mario Elliott and guys like that. But the truth is, Jordan is so big, and he is, for any of us over 35 years old, he's the Muhammad Ali, the greatest of our generation, and it's hard to talk us off the pedestal of that. What if Brady won this Super Bowl and two more Super Bowls? To finish off his career, he rode off into the sunset with eight Super Bowl championships. Well, then, then it's weird because the only way to pick apart Brady at that point would be, say, his position, he's not an athlete in the sense that Jordan was running and jumping and playing yeah. both ways at all times. You would have to dissect it down to a physical science of Brady moves about 10 feet per game and throws the ball. He is, I guess you could make the case, a specialist at the quarterback position. But as far as resume, his resume would be better than anyone in team sports history unless you go back to pre-1980 and guys like Bill Russell. Yep. No, it's a great point. What you guys got coming up today on the Dan Patrick Show? Uh, we got Reggie Miller. We may have a special Patriot fan calling in who's a pretty big Hollywood heavyweight. You can figure that one out. Yeah, and, uh, Wahlberg. That'll be fun. Yeah, yeah. we're driving in right now. You know, I'm glad J-Mart's okay. Again, I've run <laughs> in the Northeast. You know, still concerned just because last week's over. Our concern is still there.
We'll see you guys uh, on Radio Row at Super Bowl for sure, my man. I appreciate it. See you in Minnesota, buddy. Dress warm. That's for sure. That's Paul Papp's Dan Patrick Show uh, following us on many of the stations where you are listening right now. Uh, who are we on? Nick in Kentucky. What's up, Nick? No, we're in Will in Ohio. Ah, uh, Will in Ohio. What's up, Will? Hey, Clay. Thanks for taking the call. Listen, your previous caller made the argument for me already. Jordan played both ways, brother. He was an MVP and All-NBA defense in the same season. And if we're going to judge greatness on championships, and the hardest thing to do is repeat, Jordan's got two three-peats to Brady's five total. Even if Brady wins today or this week and then he wins again and again, maybe if he gets to eight, you got an argument. But before he gets to that, it's not even a question. I think the argument of athlete is out the board, uh, off the board. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Jordan is a better athlete physically, running, jumping. Brady's not necessarily even able to run at all now at the age of 40. But I think the intangibles of what Brady does. Now, the argument that I haven't gotten so far is the Jordan people on Twitter are arguing, I think you have to take into account his college national championship as well as his being the best player on the 92 Dream Team. That's a pretty good argument for Jordan, too, is that his talent transcended just the NBA. He won a championship in college, and he also won a, uh Olympic gold medal. Joe in Syracuse. What's up, Joe? Hey, what's going on, man? Um, thank you, fellas, for taking my call. Listen, I, there, this isn't even a close argument for me. I mean, literally, it's not close. They're not even – I mean, I don't even know how you – really make the argument I mean you're making arguments to compare them Jordan in when Jordan played the level of play when Jordan played the iconic figures that he played against every night you could turn on and I explained this in within my pre-call you can turn on you could have turned on the NBA at any point and watched any game it was watchable now you have to turn on the NBA and figure out if it's a decent game, if it's going to be all right, if it's okay. We're talking about championships, and you can't talk about championships without talking about the, the season before you get to the championship. Brady is given a six-win lead within a 16-game season every year within his division. If you're telling me, if your question to me would be, is he if he wins the next two or if he wins two more or whatever, would it be a closer argument? I'll tell you this: if he won the next two without Belichick, hell yeah. <laughs> that's a good argument. I mean, I think there's an element of both Belichick and Brady that would love to not be together because I do think their names throughout sports history are going to be inextricably intertwined. And both guys are going to be devalued a little bit because of the overall greatness of the other. I think if you are a not Brady guy, what you will point to is Belichick. If you are a Belichick's not a great coach guy relative to everybody else, you'll point to Brady. You'll say, look at what Belichick did when he was with the Cleveland Browns. He wasn't that good. He didn't have a good quarterback. Look at what Belichick was able to do on the flip side if you're arguing against Brady this guy won 11 games with Matt Castle. He won games in the NFL with Jacoby Brissett and with, obviously, Jimmy Garoppolo, who looks like he might be pretty decent. Let me get the last couple of calls in here. Ramsey and San Francisco. What's up, Ramsey? What's going on, Clay? Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I'm going to get straight to the point. He was 17-0. and 
Jordan was 72 and 10. He won the championship. He didn't. Secondly, his first three Super Bowl rings, I couldn't really say he was the best player on the field. Jordan was the best player on the court at all times. The defense won Super Bowl rings for, for Tom Brady. Adam Vinatieri did. I just believe that there's no comparison. I mean, Tom Brady's great in his own right, but Jordan controlled the entire NBA. It's an interesting argument. Thanks for the call, Ramsey in San Francisco. Let me finish off with John in the OC. What's up, John? What's up, Clay? Glad to talk to you this morning. Uh, the last caller, a couple callers ago, kind of stole my thunder on the college thing I was going to bring up. But um, I truly believe that Jordan is the better athlete because he dominated, like you said, both ends of the floor. He had to carry um, his own his whole team. And granted, yes, Brady's uh, Super Bowls rest on his shoulders, but he also has people running routes and also running backs as well and other <clears throat> excuse me, other players that can help him out. Jordan dominated every single year of the NBA until he got into a system, which is Phil Jackson. Brady walked into the Belichick system. And uh, just to make one last quick point, sorry, I'm going to take my morning walk and uh, make one last point. I think uh, Phil Jackson is the best coach ever in the NBA, unquestionably, because like Belichick, it's his system. How many championships did Kobe win without Phil Jackson, with Rudy T, with Mike D'Antoni? I know he was at his career, but Jordan, no. Jordan dominated, dominated every year from 85 to 98. Thanks for taking my call, Clay. Yeah, good stuff. Um, I, I think that's the argument for Phil Jackson, is that, yes, he coached great teams, but nobody else could get him to championships without him. How many titles did Jordan win without Phil Jackson? How many titles did Kobe win without Phil Jackson? Shaq won, what, one more title with the Miami Heat? I believe I'm correct in that, without Phil Jackson. Yes, correct. Um, here is an additional thought here. A lot of talk about Brady. How many Hall of Famers has Brady had at skill positions during his entire career? Randy mm-hmm. Moss is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm not talking about offensive line because I think that's harder for everybody to judge in terms of how, unless you're like Jeff Schwartz who comes on with us every Wednesday, unless you study the offensive line, I think it's harder for the average sports fan to break down offensive line talent. Other than Randy Moss, is there a single offensive player that Tom Brady has had for many years that is going to be a Hall of Famer? Yes, it's tight end right now. Gronkowski now. Okay, those two. Kind Welker, of an interesting question, could, right? You could maybe make an argument for Welker, but that would certainly not be a slam dunk. And I don't think Edelman will. I don't think Amendola will. I mean, I, I think obviously Gronkowski, who's on his team right now, is the only other offensive skill position Hall of Famer, and Randy Moss, who he had for a couple of years, not obviously in the absolute prime of Randy Moss's career. Randy Moss is by far the best wide receiver he's had. I bring that up for this reason. That's kind of an argument you could also make in favor of how great um, that I believe Tom Brady is. Jason Martin, did you have a couple of other additional facts you wanted to lay out here before we go to break? Uh, the only the only thing that I had thrown out was that the, if the Houston Truthers' best argument is that Jordan did play in one of those years. He came back just before the playoffs in, when he was wearing 45, and then he ended up putting on 23 in the playoffs after he got destroyed as 45, and somebody made a comment about it in the press. He then gets beaten by Shaq and Penny, that great Orlando team, 
uh, that also had picked up Horace Grant simply because of what he could potentially do to the Chicago Bulls and because he knew that team and understood how it worked. But I believe that team probably would have beaten Houston, so this is not a good argument for Houston because I think if Nick Anderson makes a free throw in that first game, the Magic go on to win that series. It changed everything for both of those franchises. So, uh, you know, it's it's the Houston argument is a bad argument. It really is. That's a really good team. Elijah Wan might be the best in the paint that we've ever seen or certainly one of the top three or four. But let's be real here. If Jordan had not left, they would have won both those championships. You can't even really say that Orlando would have beaten them. I think Orlando would have given them a run. But Jordan had played, what, like five or six games before the end of that season? You can't really even can't even really compare that. Yeah, I mean, that, again, I understand that there's the Houston Rockets truthers out there. You're wrong. You can live in your fantasy world where your team would have won the championship even if Jordan had played both those years, but you're totally wrong. Um, 877-996-6369, I want to give credit to everybody who called in. Good uh, topics. We're going to shift gears here a little bit and talk about a serious story that I think has gotten a lot less attention than it deserves, and it is the story out of Michigan State. Um, Larry Nasser, the doctor there, who is going to be sentenced to life in prison for what he has done. Not it's, This is actually an interesting story because I think it's gotten more national media attention than it has sports coverage. I'm going to ask Dan Wetzel why that is. He's been covering this trial for Yahoo Sports. I've seen it written about in the New York Times. I've seen it written about in the Wall Street Journal. I've seen it talked about a lot on CNN, even in MSNBC and other television networks covering the news world but I haven't seen it talked about that much in the sports world I think this is just as bad if not worse honestly than what happened with Jerry Sandusky at Penn State if you don't know this story I think it's worth us talking about Dan Wetzel is going to join the show next here on Outkick I'm Clay Travis this is Fox Sports Radio Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, the list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. I'm using them right now as I do my shopping. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Let's bring in my guy, Eddie Garcia, find out what's shaking in the world of sports. Then we got Dan Wetzel on the flip side from Yahoo Sports. I think you guys are going to appreciate this segment we're about to do. What you got for me, Eddie? Well, Clay, in the NFL, we've got two new head coaches. The New York Giants named Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer as their next head coach. He gets a five-year deal. Arizona Cardinals hire Steve Wilkes as their next head coach. He comes over from the Carolina Panthers where he was defensive coordinator. He gets a four-year deal. In the NBA, Pelicans beat the Bulls 132-128 in double overtime in the win for New Orleans. DeMarcus Cousins had 44 points, 24 rebounds, and 10 assists. He's the 10th player ever to have at least 40 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game. The last to do it was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1972. It was the Timberwolves over the Clippers, 126-118. Andrew Wiggins, 40 points for Minnesota. Rockets down the Heat, 99-90. And the Bucks down the Suns, 109-105. They do it without Jason Kidd, who was fired earlier on Monday as their head coach after three-plus seasons on the job. And we don't get a lot of breaking news here on the, uh, on the shift, but we do have a little bit of a breaking news story in tennis where number one seed Rafael Nadal is out at the Australian Open. He retired in the fifth set of his quarterfinal match against Marin Cilic with a right leg injury. Wow, that is a uh, big news story if you're paying attention to the Australian Open uh, over there right now. Let's bring in uh, Dan Wetzel at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. He is oftentimes covering big-time trials, and I think he covers these things better than anybody else, certainly in the world of sports, does. And, Dan, I'm going to lead off with this question. My wife on Friday 
huge gymnastics fan, uh, was a, like a level eight gymnast, came in one of the top gymnasts in the state of Michigan in her senior year of high school, did gymnastics obviously her whole career, and as a result follows gymnastics pretty closely in the world of sports. And she asked me, she said, hey, how come you're not talking about this Michigan State gymnastics story on your show? And how come in the world of sports, this isn't getting the same kind of level of attention that Jerry Sandusky did at Penn State? I didn't have a good answer for her. This seems like a story that is getting almost more national media coverage outside of sports than it is sports in general. Is she right? Why is that? Tell us what's going on. She's, I mean, she's, she's certainly right that more should be done. And yeah, it's not, I mean, it's not getting the attention it deserves. There's no question. Um, Not merely because of of Larry Nassar, who's the USA gymnastics team doctor and and used to work via Michigan State at dealing many local athletes in kind of Lansing and and even the Detroit suburbs area, really all over Michigan. Um, He very likely abused 200 to 300 uh, girls, during his two, three decade uh, kind of reign of terror, it might be the, the most sexual assault anyone uh, has done in the United States. I mean, uh, he never had to go look for victims. They came to him as patients. So he dealt with a lot of stuff. But not only do you have this one guy, and not only do you have his work with USA Gymnastics dealing with, you know, the victims that have come forward, the most prominent gymnasts we know, Simone Biles, Gabby Douglas, Allie Raceman, Kayla Maroney, Jordan Weber, you know, gold medalists. Um, but you, it, it, it applies to every gymnastics hall in the country and, and youth sports in general because you have a team doctor, you have a doctor. So this actually would go into almost every community in America. you got a kid doing gymnastics, and not even just that, volleyball or soccer or anything else where you have injuries. Um, this affects you. So it, it really should be the number one story in the country because this, it, it, the, the level of devastation of the tentacles for this um, into, into everywhere uh, is, is important. And there's, there's women like your, your, your wife um, saying that all, all over. Why isn't it a bigger story? I don't know. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't deal with college football. I mean, the Sandusky story was a shocker because of the Joe Paterno angle and you had this kind of angelic uh, hero in Paterno somehow being involved. I certainly get all that. I covered Sandusky. Um, I think there's a shift in the way media covers things, particularly cable news. Um, You know, it's all politics now where you used to have actual news on cable news and then some politics, Uh, you know, you're getting nothing out of CNN and Fox and MSNBC and things like that on this anymore. NBC Nightly News or any of that, very little. So it's kind of a perfect storm where we just haven't, it hasn't broken through to the level, although I do believe it's increased dramatically over the last four or five days. You're in the courtroom. Uh, You have been many different days. How difficult is it to hear these stories, these victim statements, one after the other, and see all these women that were, and girls, many of them not even, I believe, 18 years old, some of them, uh, who have been physically violated and and assaulted by this guy? I mean, the emotion level in the courtroom has to be just overwhelming. What's it like to cover? You've got young daughters; um, they play sports. I mean, this has got to be just grueling for you. 
and you're not even directly involved. You're just there watching it. I can't even imagine the emotion that this courtroom is freighted with on a day-to-day basis and a moment-to-moment basis. I, it's it's it, it's extremely hard to listen to. What you always remember is it's much harder to say and yeah. even harder to live. So it's an honor. This is this is what they want to do. And just to, to just a little context, Larry Nassar has a pled guilty to 10 counts of first-degree sexual assault, but there are uh, 140 women originally came forward. That number is now much higher. Um, and part of the settlement, uh, the plea deal, is the judge said everybody gets to come forward. Everyone who's a victim says they're a victim can come, give a victim impact statement, address the court, and address Larry Nassar. And that often includes um, fathers, mothers, uh, coaches, anyone else that this guy uh, did. So what you're doing with is a parade, 25 uh, women a day. And, and, and so we have a hearing that's now entering its sixth day, just a sentencing hearing, just victim impacts. What you listen to is gut wrenching, um, painful, yet triumphant, educational. Um, you know, you have, you have 15 year old girls up there who say, I want to be identified. I have the right to be anonymous because I'm a minor. No, I want the world to know, and I want Larry Nasser to know I'm not scared of him, and I'm gonna I'm gonna own this, and I'm not gonna be a victim anymore. And they're 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 gymnasts, right? They're small in stature, often they're shaking, they're young, and the courage to address him and address the court and tell their story in front of a room full of of, of people, so a lot of supporters, but media, you know, who wants to talk to me? Um, but they want that thing broadcast out there. Unbelievably powerful to watch this, yet heart-wrenching to hear the stories. And the stories are just, you know, what they've gone through, the, the fallout. The, the uh, You know, some of the women are 40 years old, and you have this whole range where you have, you know, uh, drug and alcohol abuse because of it, um, uh, suicidal thoughts, depressions, lost jobs, bad relationships. You have... Uh, you know, we had uh, a mother there talking about how her daughter committed suicide. You had a daughter talking about how she originally told her father he didn't believe her uh, when it came out as true he committed suicide. The, the number of just angles on this thing and where it goes, every single one of them are incredible. And it's it's tough to listen to. It's all online. And you, particularly if you go to one of the Lansing television stations or probably on YouTube, I encourage anyone to listen to this stuff, even if you just listen to a couple of them. And if if you're a parent, and you know you just look, sports radio's got a lot of guys listening. Uh, not nothing to do with gymnastics. Believe me, if you're a father, you might pick something up here that can protect your child's children in the future, protect your family. I mean, it it's really important. Um, but it is, it is so emotional. But you you feel bad. There was a reporter I knew came maybe three or four days in, and he said, How, how's this going to be? I said, get ready to cry. I mean, you, you cannot you cannot make it through that day without tearing up four or five times, and I do not – I rarely cry, but not in this thing, you don't. So let me ask you this. How did it go on for so long, and how long did it go on from the victim statements and uh, and the trial and everything that you have heard? What went wrong that allowed somebody like this, a serial predator, to maintain his ability to impact so many people in such a devastating way? Well, he had a couple advantages. One, he was a doctor. So he had the, the you know, he, he's a sports doctor, and girls are coming to him injured. So 
some of the normal things and say, well, why has this guy got his hands on you, right? Well, he's a doctor. I'm, I'm, I'm helping your back pain. You have a hurt hip. Um, and I, I don't want to get too graphic, but you can go from there. And so he had advantages that most pedophiles would never have. Uh, he didn't have to hunt these people out. And these, these girls are going, well, this guy's a doctor. Doctors are supposed to do this. And he abused that trust in, in a big way. Um, he also was, he's a terrifically manipulative guy. These people liked him. They called him Larry. They didn't call him doctor. He had all the different things. At, at, and, and he played off the, the, the cards that were given him. When he becomes the U.S. national team doctor, for gymnastics, you know, the walls of his office are covered with him and pictures of famous gymnasts. You know, there was a mother, her daughter's just a local gymnast, just a, you know, kid doing a tumbling class, right? Every, every, every daughter in America, every girl in America has done one of these. Hurts her hip. They, they get referred to the national team doctor. They drive an hour. They're like, God, this is great. We're, you know, her, her, she'll get the best treatment. I can't believe we can get in with this guy. And, and boom, he's, he's, he's sexually assaulting her. But the, the, the trust factor when you go in, so he was able to do that. 1997, the first woman tells, a girl, 16 years old, tells the Michigan State gymnastics coach who kind of ran her club team um, about Larry Nassar. And uh, it was not acted upon in 97. She kind of discouraged that, boy, if you make that allegation, there's problems for this guy, there's problems for you. Uh, they, they, the, the coach basically talked her out of it. At least we've heard one side of the story. Um, there was another complaint in '98, another one in 2000. They, they kind of pile up, but a lot of times there's a complaint in one place, but not the same place. Um, USA Gymnastics, he had unfettered access to these athletes. He, he could treat them um, in, in the dorm rooms alone, at national camps, at, at hotel rooms alone on the road. Uh, m- treatment was mandatory with him. It was written to the rules. These, the gymnasts at that level are so nervous about upsetting the apple cart and, 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 and looking like uh, someone who's not coachable, that they're not going to make the team. So many different things played into it, and nobody was talking to each other. And so when Michigan State hears something, they aren't telling USA Gymnastics. USA Gymnastics isn't really telling. The whole picture goes, and he's able to last really until – a story comes out in the Indianapolis Star. Uh, a woman went to a newspaper. Um, th- there should be one of these newspaper movies on this thing, and it, it starts, of all things, with the, with local reporters at the Indianapolis Star that eventually broke the story. What's the fallout going to be outside of Nasser? Nasser's going to spend the rest of his life in prison, deservedly. What else around him is likely to become an issue with the Sandusky trial there ended up being the president of the university the athletic director Joe Paterno connections all those different things are there other people that in some way in your mind are culpable for what happened on either a criminal or at least like civil level or potentially losing their jobs well um civil level Michigan State and USA Gymnastics are going to get pummeled I mean I, I I just don't even I don't even know how you take this thing to trial. They're going to have to settle. I mean, um, there's going to be a lot of money involved in this. I mean, you know, billion dollars. I mean, we're talking hundreds of girls, possibly. Um, so there's that. There's going to be civil suits, all, all of those things. I think when you look at the culpability, I don't know what's criminal. I don't know what's just, you know, the system didn't work or you should have done more. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, hesitant to ever believe there's someone out there going, Oh, I know that guy's abusing girls every day in his office and I just don't care. 
you know, that kind of, that doesn't happen. It would be extremely rare and unlikely that that would happen. But that doesn't mean there aren't failures to the system that should be addressed and possibly criminally. So I think you have Michigan State, certainly um, 14 different people through the years heard something about this. They, they ran it in 2014. They had a Title IX investigation about this and the Title IX office. So they, they assigned a lawyer to look into whether he was abusing, uh, abusing girls through his office at Michigan State. And, and you know, the lawyer it just it was a former uh, labor lawyer. And she's yep. trying to crack this case. Not not equipped for this. That's Title IX is not equipped for this. Of course, Nasser beats beats that rap because he's a master at this. Um, so there's Michigan State. Certainly, um, you know, they're, they're, the fallout would be you know the leadership is the president, the AD, different things like that. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, USA Gymnastics certainly um, allowing this guy right under their nose on a small number. Uh, everybody should go at USA Gymnastics. I mean, it's absolutely horrific that you send your kid off to USA Gymnastics and, and they're they're letting a, a guy walk into their dorm room every night and, and molest them. Um, the third one and the other two people that I have issues with are both the Attorney General of Michigan and the Attorney General in Indiana, who neither of which jumped immediately when the story broke and started investigating Michigan State and USA Gymnastics, which is located in Indianapolis, and particularly the Michigan Attorney General. Can you come? Can you come back with us one more segment, or you have the flexibility? Yeah, I can. Let's do it. All right, we're going to come back with Dan Wetzel because I still have a couple more questions for him about this massive story that, frankly, isn't getting as much attention in the world of sports as it should. Uh, we'll talk with him more. Final segment next of hour two. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Wouldn't you love a bigger tax refund? TaxSlayer recently rated number one for maximum refund, so you have more cash to spend on whatever the heck you want. This tax season, go out and slay it. Max your refund at TaxSlayer.com. Talking to Dan Wetzel at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. He's been covering the Larry Nasser trial at Michigan State, um, and, uh, involving Michigan State and the U.S. women's gymnastic program and all that went wrong there. Um, when is this thing going to finish and officially be complete? Well, um, the sentencing was expected to be last Friday. 88 women had come forward saying uh, they wanted to speak. Um, the, the statements have been so successful and powerful, and um, I think we're over 130 now want to speak. So people came forward while they watched other women do it, other girls do it. Say I want to do this too. That included Allie Raceman and, and Jordan Weber. And by the way, um, they printed the entirety of Allie Raceman's statement in the New York Times, um, yeah. and uh, and and that was a. I mean, you can watch the video of it as well. I think it's it's certainly been widely shared. But uh, but that kind of goes to my point about the the sort of the national media almost covering this more than the sports media has. Yeah, and the Times really jumped on it late. They weren't even there every day, which I was stunned because that is not something the New York Times usually misses on for for a couple of days at all. And they've they've done other good reporting, and Wall Street Journal has, and and it just hasn't been. I don't know. I think it, you know, as a, you and I talk media a lot when I come on. Yep. And and I sat there last week early in in this, and I've covered a bunch of it. I, and I, you know, I I wasn't there at the beginning either. I mean, I started when. You know, we didn't have a trial. We're having a hearing here to, to sentence. Um, but, you know, I started in the fall going up there and doing different columns on it and trying to raise awareness. There wasn't always a huge readership for it. Um, but it, it was stunning that there wasn't enough. 
And I don't know. I don't know whether it's our country's obsession with politics right now, mainly whatever Donald Trump's doing today. But it's it's actually it, it it's it's unfortunate because this is way more impactful on people's lives than a lot of the stuff that you know seems like a big deal in Washington. You know, this is this is I'm dropping my kid off at gymnastics or any other sport or any other activity or the doctor's office, which is, you know, so this is happening in every single community in America right now. And this is every single parent's like greatest fear practically. And so any information you can glean, just sitting there, you hear things and you go, Oh, interesting. I hadn't thought that. I mean, you have a hundred, kind of 130 or something people stand up and explain exactly how they were abused and tricked. That's invaluable information for someone with two kids. Um, so, you know, it doesn't stop it because they're always trickier, but it, it's helpful. But to your original question, should finish probably tomorrow, he'll be sentenced. Now, he's already serving 60 years on a child pornography charge. So he's already in prison. This is going to be 120. The judge is going to give him 125 years, the max they can give on this. Um, and if she could give 1,125 years, she would she would do that. Um but that'll end then. There's still another settlement, uh, another plea deal in uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So there could be an additional one of these hearings. But really, we're we're, we're going to move soon into the um, really the the buckling down on USA Gymnastics in Michigan State. And I think what when all these women are coming forward, the power of their testimony, whether it is the the unknown 15 year old, you know, with her mom hold, bare, practically holding her up physically. And, and watching that kind of courage to someone like Allie Raceman, who is a tour de force in, in anything she does, just standing there and ripping everyone apart with an unwavering voice in a, you know, in a prepared statement that's better than anything any of our politicians have said in, in the last two, you know, speech. Um, it's, it's driven the focus of what the heck happened here. And I think that's been important. And now it's really about what's going to happen to Michigan State, U.S., you know, three G, three USA Gymnastics board members resigned yesterday. Like this scandal, sixteen months old. It took this for them to finally be shamed into resigning. Um, so you're seeing a lot more momentum and power going right now. Dan, uh, we appreciate it. I know that hasn't been an easy uh, case and story at all to cover. I would encourage people to go follow at Dan Wetzel to go read. Uh, everything that he has written and continues to write about this story. And if you're not familiar with it, definitely make sure that you do your due diligence and become familiar with it. Thanks, my man. Thanks. I'm glad you're talking about it. It's important for guys to talk about this stuff. Appreciate it. Uh, Dan Wetzel, best national sports columnist in the country, at Dan Wetzel on Twitter. And like I said, my wife uh, was the the guiding force here for me on Friday uh, and Thursday of last week just asking, like, why in the world is this not being talked about? This is a massive story. This is as big as the Joe Paterno-Sandusky Paterno trial when you look at the people who are involved and victims here. And I think she was right. And so uh, I would encourage you guys to pay attention to this story, even if it is not receiving very much attention like it should be, as Dan Wetzel said. Hour three of the show up next. We'll talk about this a little bit more and more. I'll kick the coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance, visit geico.com for a free rate quote. My thanks 
to Dan Wetzel. If you didn't hear hour two and you're just waking up across the country, by the way, I think, am I correct in this, guys? The tsunami warning is officially over. So everybody on the West Coast of the United States, never know what you're going to start with when you do live radio early in the morning. But I think the there's now just a, the warning has been taken away and now there's just a watch or I don't know. But anyway, I think you guys are going to survive the tsunami on the West Coast. Uh, there was a uh, earthquake off the coast of Alaska and there was fear that it could uh, unleash some danger on the West Coast. But that has now been, I believe, mostly vanquished so you're safe there if you're just waking up on the west coast probably had no idea what danger you were in you you are safe um but the dan wetzel story um at, at the the interview that we just did uh, surrounding this larry nasser um case i feel like most sports fans are not very aware of this story unless frankly you have been paying attention to the national news, because in the last couple of days, it has turned into a really big national news story. It's on the front page of the Wall Street Journal. It was on the front page of the New York Times. The New York Times uh, printed the entirety of Ali Raisman's victim statement uh, that was delivered at the sentencing hearing here for uh, Larry Nasser, and it was very powerful. I think 13 minutes that she spoke and uh, had a, uh, a, uh, a really strong attack on Nasser. But what to me is remarkable about this story, and obviously not remarkable in a good way, is that at the same time that the Jerry Sandusky situation happened at Penn State, the number one response from most people was, we can never allow something like this to happen again in the world of college and athletics. And certainly the state of Pennsylvania has gotten involved and they have come after the president of the university, the athletic director, Joe Paterno's legacy has been forever uh, scarred based on what he knew allegedly about the Sandusky case. And Jerry Sandusky is going to spend the rest of his life in prison. While the Sandusky story was going on, this guy, Larry Nasser is victimizing hundreds of female athletes at Michigan State and also at the U.S. Gymnastics Group. I mean, he's the official team doctor of USA Gymnastics. And so he literally is all the girls who won was the gold medal in 2012. All the years run together for me now. I'm getting to be an old man. But they the 2012 Olympic team, the 2016 Olympic team, he is sexually assaulting many of these women while they are out there winning the gold medal. And he's treating them in their rooms without anybody else present. And there are all these people who are raising issues, and like Dan Wetzel said, sometimes they're at different places, giving indications that there may be a predator preying on hundreds of young women, and nobody does anything. Nobody is able to put all this together. And what's amazing about this is that Michigan State literally has Sandusky going on in their same conference at the same time, and they don't do anything about this. They don't pursue this aggressively. 
They don't say, oh my God, maybe we've got the same thing going on here as went on at Penn State. So much of the coverage of Jerry Sandusky in the way that I read it and certainly the way that I wrote about it and talked about it was about how Sandusky should be this bright, shining beacon to teach all of us to be vigilant in ensuring that this never happens again, that there are never hundreds of child victims of anyone associated with athletics and children ever again. That was the big takeaway from Jerry Sandusky. Not just that Sandusky should face punishment, not just that Penn State should make, uh, that they should pay as much in terms of uh, liability as could possibly happen. Hell, the NCAA got involved because they wanted to make Penn State an example of everything that could go wrong with athletics. And they wanted everybody else to be aware and to be hypervigilant to ensure that the same thing didn't happen on their campus. And Larry Nasser is happening at the exact same campus in the exact same flipping division in the Big Ten. And nobody was able to stop it from happening. I mean, it again, my wife my wife asked me about this on Thursday and Friday of last week. And so I did my due diligence on this story over the weekend, read a lot about it familiarize myself with the case. And obviously we weren't going to talk about it on Monday because we got the AFC and the NFC championship games going on. But we talked, I talked to Dan Wetzel and I said, hey, we're going to talk about this. And I think the sports media has dropped the ball on this story too. And I would include myself. I mean, I, I was not very well plugged in to what was going on with this story, to be honest with you. And I think that you look at all the stories that got attention instead. ESPN is the most powerful sports media entity out there. People say, oh, you rip ESPN. I do. I frequently do because I think they're bad at their job. Think about how much coverage ESPN gave to LeVar Ball compared to how much attention they gave to the Larry Nasser case. Dan Wetzel said that from his experience, ESPN didn't send a single reporter to cover that case. Talked with him off the air about this case because he's been covering it so much and because he was so plugged in on it. I wanted to get his side of the story on this. ESPN employs hundreds of people. They sent somebody to Lithuania to cover LeVar Ball. They couldn't send somebody to Flint, Michigan to cover this trial. They have an entire section of their website called ESPNW. ESPNW didn't cover this case. They didn't write any stories about it. Entire section of their website devoted to covering women's athletics in sports. They covered the women's march. Covered the pussy willow hats. Didn't send anybody to write about this case and broadcast it aggressively. And maybe it's because it's just an uncomfortable story. It is an uncomfortable story. It's not something that is enjoyable to talk about. Certainly a lot more fun to debate, as we did in hour one, who's the best team athlete of all time, Brady 
and Jordan. It's an easier story to cover. But it was not actually covered aggressively. Wasn't covered. I mean, how do you have ESPNW and not write a single article about this? I think it's because it's an uncomfortable story. I also think it's because there probably isn't a big figure like Joe Paterno involved. I don't know how much attention the Jerry Sandusky case would have gotten if Jerry Sandusky had not been an assistant football coach and if instead he had been an assistant volleyball coach at Penn State. I don't think it probably would have gotten that much attention. And I think that's probably a flaw of the media. I think it's a flaw of what I do. I think it's a flaw of you guys um, because we tend to focus on big stars. And if Joe Paterno is not involved in the Jerry Sandusky case in any way, if Penn State football is not involved, I don't think people would have cared. I really don't. If everything that happened with Jerry Sandusky had happened at Akron, I don't think it would have been a story. And I spent a lot of time thinking about this because my wife was asking me, how come this isn't a bigger story? Now, the flip side of that is, I mean, the U.S. women's gymnastics players are superstar figures. I mean, absolutely apex level, top of the mountain superstars when you think about how well recognized they are in the public. I covered uh, the, the, uh, the Country Music Awards a couple of years ago. And they showed up, the girls did, at, uh, at the Country Music Awards. And when they walked down the red carpet, everybody knew them. I mean, it was everybody. It was absolutely everywhere. And this story has picked up a little bit over the weekend. Again, I think the New York Times putting it on the front page on Friday, I believe. I think the Wall Street Journal doing the same thing, putting it on the front page on Friday. It had received almost no attention prior to that. I think Allie Raceman's statement drew a lot of attention to it. Well, I think the sports media dropped the ball here. Well, they didn't cover this case. Dan Wetzel said, I mean, this story started 14 months ago. And until Friday, I mean, the sentencing is already going on. If Allie Raceman doesn't show up and speak, I don't know that anybody pays attention to it. But you compare this. I mean, again, I would just say, compare the amount of coverage ESPN gave LeVar Ball from Lithuania with this story. And I think that that's a pretty perceptive. I get a lot of questions from from kids out there. A lot of you in college, high school, you're working on stories. You're trying to find things to write about. You want a paper that would really be fascinating? Compare the amount of coverage that LeVar Ball got in Lithuania for his comments about the Lakers with the amount of coverage that the Michigan State investigation and trial and Larry Nasser and U.S. women's gymnastics team with the amount of attention that that got. I think that would be a fascinating study. I guarantee you LeVar Ball dwarfed it. LeVar Ball probably got 10 to 1 in terms of the amount of attention. Now, partly that's because people click on LeVar Ball stories. The easy defense of that is, well, the reason why we cover it is because people read it. And I don't think there's any doubt. LeVar Ball, I'm just using him as an example because I think it's the most frivolous and non-serious 
story that has been covered in the world of sports in the last six months. Anytime LeVar Ball says anything, it's major news. And then you're like, why isn't that major news? And certainly a lot of people have attacked it. And the answer is, I think, because people click on it. Why does LeVar Ball get covered? Because people click on it. But if you compare that with the Michigan State story, ESPN did nothing. I trust Dan Wetzel on this. ESPN did nothing on this on their website, for instance, until Friday. They got an entire damn section of their website devoted to women, and they didn't bother to cover this trial or the sentencing hearing until Friday. Why? It's a big blind spot. Got an entire section of your website devoted to women in sports? You didn't send anybody to do anything on this until Friday? I think that's pretty difficult to justify. But I think it's a reflection of the larger media universe. I put myself in that category. I didn't pay much attention to this story until Thursday and Friday when my wife asked me about it. And we had Dan Wetzel on. I'd encourage you to go listen to Hour 2. I bet for many of you it's the first time you heard anything about this at all. Uh, I am Clay Travis. We're going to talk to Petros Papadakis up next out in L.A., What's shaking in La La Land? I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. Our shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. We are waiting on Petros Papadakis to join us and break down all of the universe of the world of Los Angeles and more. Um, But uh, in the meantime, we obviously have spent a lot of time on the show. We started off hour one talking about what I think is going to become a intriguing debate as Brady works down towards the conclusion of his NFL career. We don't know how many years he's got left, but certainly advancing to his eighth Super Bowl in the 16 seasons where he theoretically could be eligible. I asked the question now, over 15,000 of you have voted. Who you got for greatest team athlete of the past 40 years? I think there are two options, Michael Jordan or Tom Brady. Now, there are a lot of individual potential greatest athletes of all time, whether you're talking about certainly in, in recent history, Serena Williams, whether you're talking about Michael Phelps, whether you are talking about Usain Bolt or maybe Floyd Mayweather. There are a lot of Roger Federer guys who have been at the high height of their abilities. But I think that is a, uh, that is a challenge in general. 15,000 of you have voted. Michael Jordan, 61% of the vote. Tom Brady, 39%. We bring in my guy Petros Papadakis at Petros and Money AM 570 Sports in L.A., do you agree those are the two greatest team athletes of the last 40 years? That it's basically down to Jordan versus Brady? Oh, my God. How could you be sucked into this? I get sucked into it because I actually am intrigued by it. Nobody it? actually debates this. this is How not do you ju- quantify it? Well, I mean, I, I think the quantification is probably championships. Because it makes now that Brady has a chance to win his well, sixth title. what about the, like the other 50 dudes on the roster? Well, I mean, football. that's... The, that for football, that's the challenge. I mean, that's where you could say, look, in basketball, you're playing both sides, everything else. But, I mean, you, I would think, so let's start here. Tom Brady going to eight Super Bowls. I mean, he is the only player, obviously, other than Bill Belichick, who we won't count as a coach, 
who has been on all eight of the Patriots rosters. How incredible in your mind is it that Brady is at 40, potentially the NFL MVP, and also going to his eighth Super Bowl? He's amazing, but I don't know how to quantify it and compare it to Michael Jordan. Well, I mean, I I think that who else would you say has got the scope of achievement in a team Joe Montana. Okay, Montana could be in the mix. Wayne Gretzky could be in the mix. There aren't that many guys. The only thing about Joe Montana, no, Wayne Gretzky can't be in the mix because he played on ice. (laughs) How do you compare football players to basketball players? You just can't. They're completely totally different things to 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 look at and to and you can't compare eras and you can't compare cross sports and you can't compare I mean you can't even compare Joe Montana to Tom Brady because they let the guy that was backing up Joe Montana push Joe Montana out when he still had some juice in his uh And that was the orange. right call, right? Because Steve Young had more juice. Well, it, it might have been the right call, but they pushed him out. I mean, that never happened to Brady. Brady was not pushed out. You know, he wasn't pushed out by Matt Castle. He wasn't pushed out by Garoppolo. You know, that never happened. Circumstance rules anybody's career. And we all know the story about a guy that could take a quarter off the top of the backboard that no one ever saw play past high school. And... Yeah, the, the greatest athletes of our time are people that you mentioned. You know, Roger Federer, uh, I thought that was a really good call to mention people of high achievement and excellence. But, God, if this is going to be the argument for the next two weeks, Jordan versus Brady. Oh, I'm, that's all I'm doing. We've already recorded Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, oh. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I've done eight days. Clay, and it's, we it's just, we just hit it the whole time. morning out here. <laughs> Jordan versus Brady, uh, and then, you know, everybody's got to look within themselves and wonder why they don't like seeing the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and that means something's wrong with you. Oh, totally something's wrong with you. Do you yes, root for the Patriots or against you them? You don't like excellence, so you're just a born loser if you're somebody who maybe wants to see a different team play in the Super Bowl and celebrated for two weeks. It's, it's, a, it's a little uh, fatiguing for me. So are you interested at all in watching the Super Bowl then? Well, we all watch the Super Bowl, but I, I will watch the Super Bowl. I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a sports talk radio idiot, but, I mean, let's be honest. Most of us watch the Super Bowl in the same capacity that a, a third-grade teacher in Missoula watches the Super Bowl, which is between drinks and uh, chips and dip and catching up about uh, what school or private school uh, your neighbor's kid is going to. You know, it's a social event. You it know, seems to me that you would hate if Super Tom Bowl Brady parties. Or Blake Bortles or anybody plays in the Super Bowl. You know, the Super Bowl is on TV. If it's a good game, they'll have a better rating at the end. If it's not, they'll still have the greatest rating of the year in television globally, and that's just that. Do you hate Super Bowl parties? I don't really. I mean, I just go to one place, and it's the same as their Rose Bowl party. It's the same as their. Uh, national championship party you know it's just my uncle's house with greek food and whiskey oh that's an interesting combo what's the best greek food at my uncle's house yeah i think they make a hell of a spanakopita what i have no idea what that is it's a phyllo dough uh spinach feta cheese and phyllo dough it's pretty simple um greek food is simple clay we're simple people We're, we're not complex enough to understand the nuances between the greatness of tom brady and a guy that could jump over him that was a foot taller than <laughs> I just made fun of the obsession with LeVar Ball. 
but because you're on, I feel like we have to talk about it. Have you been covering been a slow week? Have you been covering the Lithuanian controversies that Lavar Ball has created? Have I been covering them? I put a guy on Rytus Kozlowskis twice from from Lithuania. <laughs> you know the guy that does the. Uh, thanks for listening, Clay. You know the guy uh, that does the uh, uh, the the commentary on Facebook. The play on by the games? play. Yes. You know, like, oh my God, Lamelo missed the ball. You know that guy. <laughs> we put him on twice. He's how, awesome. And and uh, and, and I don't I, think you know how hard it is, Clay. For somebody to have English as their second language and to be able to do a full radio interview and be able to call games on, on TV, I, I'm pretty damn impressed with a guy. I put him, I'm going to put him on again. Um, and, uh, and what's the latest uh, controversy in the Ball family? Well, I think the controversy, well, now the coach is, you know, saying how unruly and uncoachable LaMelo is, which is, you know, what his coach said at, at, Chino Hills, and they, they so wait, had, let me stop that here guy for a leave, minute. and then the coach you, at Chino Hills said it, and he got fired. You're telling me that a 16-year-old who drives a Ferrari and gets pulled out of high school to go play basketball in Lithuania and whose brother was the overall number two pick and whose dad is LeVar Ball might have an issue with authority? I'm saying it's a Lamborghini, Clay. You were Lam- wrong my the, bad. at the start yes. of the <laughs> season. How many 16-year-olds with Lamborghini in the country do you think are well-adjusted? Uh, I'm not probably not much but, in the world. Uh, even at the same time, you know, it doesn't mean you need to take a 45 foot uh, three pointer either. Yeah, you know, just dribble it a little closer. I think is what the guy is trying to say. It's actually been a quiet week, and uh, the interesting thing I've gotten from uh, Ritus when he comes on our show is that they're kind of torn about this. Lithuanian people enjoy the attention because they're very proud of their basketball. And they're proud of their country. And, you know, we have a little bit of fun, but, you know, these are nice people that, that are, you know, very uh, accommodating and, and proud of their, of their heritage. And uh, I don't think they mind the attention. I think they're making the most of it. Most of them have a pretty good attitude about it. But, you know, it's the same as it would be in any other arena in the country. Uh, half the people boo. You know, whenever they introduce LeVar Ball and he shoots a half-court shot, and, and it's a circus. It's a circus out there. It's a circus here. But uh, nothing's really happened that big uh, in the last five or six days. Would you have ever believed, if I had told you two years ago, that you would be having a Lithuanian basketball announcer on your show multiple times? No. Is no, this the craziest? Of all the stories that you have covered in L.A., is this the craziest? Uh, yeah. Between Lithuania and Chinese martial law, <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's uh, it's an amazing story, especially when you go back. And I think I've said this before to you, but you know, you go back to where it started, and you know, it's not like it started in two thousand one when I was twenty. Uh, it, it started with uh, watching YouTube these three brothers playing together. Nobody really knew their dad. Uh, at Chino Hills, uh, and they were undefeated. They're one of the greatest uh, high school basketball teams we ever saw. They had a really interesting style. Uh, Lamella was only 14. I mean, I was riveted, Clay. It was like playing, it's like when you're 20 and you stay up and you play video games all night. You know, I was up all night watching these guys uh, on YouTube play basketball. They were amazing, and it was kind of a sensation, and, 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 uh, Lonzo came to UCLA and he was really good. 
and he ignited Pauley Pavilion, which is kind of a sleepy place in the last 15 years or so. Uh, it was a great story, and to see that it's developed into uh, this guy screaming back and forth with Stephen A. Smith, and you stretch us across the globe to China and Lithuania, Donald Trump is involved. Uh, yeah, it's got to be the craziest story we've ever covered. I think it, it, the, the Steve Sarkeesian stuff was crazy. Uh, you know, we've never had that before. A coach just melt down and disappear. Uh, uh, Lane Kiffin on the tarmac was pretty wild out here, but nothing compares to this. In the football universe, not don't worry, you don't have to talk about Tom Brady. But all of the mock drafts are starting to come out, which I know you love. But this is kind of L.A. Central. Uh, this The L.A. college scene has never had two guys projected this high in Josh Darnold and Josh Rosen. Both of them potentially interested. The Browns, the, the Giants are interested. What do you think ends up happening? Do you think that Darnold will go number one overall? Do you think that Rosen will? You've watched these guys play a lot of games. How would you break them down as they get ready for the NFL? Well, I am not, uh, you know, Daniel Jeremiah or a lot of these other experts that we all talk to. I've never filled out a mock draft. Uh, I'm not a personnel expert. I guess we have those in today's uh, sports world. But I will say this. I would compare it, Clay, if Rodney Pete didn't hurt his shoulder you know, back in the 80s, if you got hurt, you know, you still went in the draft. You still did all your workouts, and you just told guys your shoulder was hurt. You know, you yep. weren't really protected by an agent. And uh, Rodney Pete and Troy Aikman, you know, they were going back and forth, number one, number two in the country, all through 1988. Uh, Troy was the first pick of the draft. Rodney ended up going in, like, the fourth round because his shoulder was hurt. Uh, and he played the rest of the season with a really bad shoulder. And he worked out with a really bad shoulder. So it probably would have been comparable to that situation had Rodney uh, not been hurt. Now, uh, with Josh Rosen, is a really beautiful-looking quarterback. You know, he drops back perfectly. He releases the ball perfectly. The ball is a buttery ball, if you've ever heard that uh, term before, from a wide receiver. Uh, it's very catchable. Uh, it kind of just falls right into your hands. So it's interesting because there wasn't a bunch of all-American wide receivers that lined up to play with him at UCLA, but receivers love catching the ball from a guy like this. Uh, he's kind of a weirdo. He comes from an individual sports background, tennis, which is where you fire the coach as opposed to the coach firing you. Yes. And that I think that really is a concern for, for some people and others kind of like that he's different. Uh, I don't mind it as long as he wants to play and wants to be a good teammate. I don't think it's a problem. Darnold, on the other hand, uh, moves around. You know, Now, he has a little hitch in his throw, that's true, but at the same time, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, all these guys that I watched play in college, uh, or Tom, who played when I played, <laughs> that's how old his ass is, Yeah. Uh, these guys, they throw it completely different. Their form, the way they move, especially Aaron Rodgers, than they did uh, when they entered the league. You know, their release and all that stuff has just changed and evolved throughout their career. So I think that'll happen with Darnold, too, because he's not one of those guys who grew up with a quarterback guru. Uh, he's still very coachable. 
I think he needs better coaching, better offensive coaching than the level he was getting at USC, frankly, uh, from your hero, T. Martin, who, who <laughs> yes. is a wide receiver coach who played quarterback, who's not allowed in the quarterback room at SC and doesn't really call the plays. But he just got of, an extension, right? Yeah, it's just the weirdest thing. <laughs> it, right. I mean, there's some dysfunction in the USC coaching staff. I think it's They have a wide receiver coaching tight ends, a quarterback coaching wide receivers, and a, like a 29-year-old GA from UAB sitting in their quarterback room. And it's up to that kid to develop the next Sam Darnold. Good luck, Clay Helton. Uh, but uh, I think Darnold has the intangibles, and he's bigger, stronger, faster, tougher, uh, I hate to say it like this, but I guess I would just say better teammate from from what I understand. And uh, I would take Darnold uh, first, but that doesn't mean Rosen's not phenomenal. I just think Darnold's special, and I've I've been saying that for years. Do you think the Browns are cursed? If Darnold was your kid, you remember back in the day, uh, we've had obviously the Elway situation where Elway didn't want his son to go, uh, and so he ended up on the, the Broncos and things worked out well. Then you had Jack uh, the, Elway. Yeah. yeah, Jack Elway. Then you had Archie Manning come out and say, no, Eli is not playing for the Chargers. And I thought that was interesting. So he basically ensures that he get traded to the Giants. And as a result, obviously, both of those guys end up winning Super Bowls at the teams that end up getting them. Now, who knows where they would have been if Elway had gone to the Colts, I think it was, and if and if Eli had gone to the Chargers. Who knows how those situations would have worked themselves out. But if you were a dad, would you be nervous about your kid going to the Browns just because Hugh Jackson's 1-31? in It seems like Jimmy Haslam is a really bad owner. There's a lot of dysfunction surrounding that team. Or do you just say, hey, you go wherever you get drafted? Like, what's the parental responsibility there, just given how bad the Brown situation has been? Well, I mean, if somebody wants to pay you $5 million a year, I guess, is that what it is for the number? I think it's like five or six guaranteed now for the next four years, something like yeah. that, maybe six now. Whatever the numbers are, you have to, you have to go play. You know, that's how the draft works. You go play. Uh, to me, that's what you do. But, you know, these these parents are charged with something that's a lot more uh, impactful or just kind of looming or gigantic. It just feels overwhelming, you know. Sam, and they, had, they made some bad decisions this year with Sam as a family. They had him doing a podcast every week uh, that got a little awkward, you know, mid-season. And uh, I think was kind of a, a time crunch for them you know uh, I think the family got a little bit concerned about how much attention he was getting but at the same time you know you it, it's really hard to avoid something in the draft unless you're a football person and Jack Elway was a long time you know coached at Stanford coached at San Jose State as the head guy at both places uh, in some instances against his son <laughs> at San Jose State uh, you know obviously Archie Manning is Archie Manning you know, it's a little bit different. Those were people that had a lifetime in football. You know, Sam's grandfather, Dick Hammer, <laughs> Amazing uh, played name. basketball yes. at Essie, you know, and was a Marlboro man. Uh, the parents are, you know, kind of more beach California sport, a volleyball, swimming people. You know, it, it's kind of hard to pull a power move like that, you know, from the beach in San Clemente. Let's just put it like that. No doubt at all. Petros Papadakis, we're about The Bachelor. 
you know, we have a real villain with Crystal. We haven't had a good villain like this in a long time. But this guy, Ari, is just a complete idiot. I mean, they're all idiots, but this one's a real dullard. You're not watching, are you? I haven't caught up yet oh, because dude. you know what? You know what? I They put so many of the games. I mean, The Bachelor, you get to watch it in the West Coast, so it's not going head-to-head with all these different sporting events. Um, i got to oh, catch please. up. It's on my DVR. Oh, I have to watch sports, yes. It's on my DVR. I'm catching oh, up. By next week when we talk, I'll be the most dude, informed Bachelor guy in America. By next week, it's Tuesday after the show, and you do a national radio show. You have to be up on this. Uh, you're right. I'm, I'm blowing it. There's no other way to defend it. I promise you next week I'll be an expert on it. We this have a real villain. We have a 22-year-old pixie vixen who's hot. We have an idiot ex-race car driver with pillowy lips. <laughs> I got to see it. I will be up to date. It'll be the greatest. We're going to win a Marconi next week with the segment we do. I yeah, promise instead you. you're sitting there like, oh, Tom Brady versus Jordan. How oh, can I figure great... this out? I got to do eight more days. Do your job. I got to do eight more days of Brady versus uh, Jordan. Uh, Good stuff. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. It's Petros Papadakis, Eddie Garcia. What's shaking? All right, Clay, let's start off with looking at uh, last night's action in the NBA where the Pelicans beat the Bulls 132-128 in double overtime. What's noteworthy about this game was the performance of DeMarcus Cousins. Now, he did have two overtime periods, but he finished with 44 points, 24 rebounds, and 10 assists. 10th player ever in the NBA to have 40 points, 20 rebounds, and 10 assists in a game, joining a list of Hall of Famers, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Oscar Robertson, and Elgin Baylor. Timberwolves beat the Clippers 126-118. Andrew Wiggins, 40 points in the win for Minnesota. Rockets over the Heat, 99-90. And the Bucks beat the Suns, 109-105. They do it without Jason Kidd as their coach because they fired him earlier in the day on Monday after three-plus seasons. In the NFL, the New York Giants officially named Minnesota Vikings offensive coordinator Pat Shermer as their new head coach. Arizona Cardinals named Steve Wilkes as their new head coach. He comes over from the Carolina Panthers where he was defensive coordinator. And Clay, I'm sure you're kind of happy about this, but Dick LeBeau not going to be back as Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. He just finished his 59th straight season as an NFL coach or player. Yeah, it's an amazing stretch. I mean, again, he was 80 years old, 81 years old, standing on the sideline as a defensive coordinator, unprecedented. Final segment up next, we got the Woke Report, and maybe we'll also find out, well, it's the Woke Report from Jason Martin. This is Outkick the Coverage on Fox Sports Radio. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago as well. Using TrueCar, you can easily find the car you want. With True Price from TrueCar, you can avoid the confusion you encounter online by getting a great price you can count on before you ever visit a dealership. The True Price includes all dealer fees and accessories. TrueCar show you what other people in your area paid for the car you want. Now you know what a fair price is, so you can feel confident, and your certified dealers know this, so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. Seriously, I'm using this thing. I'm out shopping for a new car right now. Over 3 million, after I hit a car, I have to hit a tree in my older car, over 3 million cars have been sold to true car users by the true car certified dealer network. Over 15,000 true car certified dealers nationwide, and true car users save an average of over three grand off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a newer used car, visit TrueCar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Hitting a couple of topics that we have been on so far this morning. Um, uh, one bit of news here. AT&T has suspended its sponsorship with USA Gymnastics over this Nasser trial. Hershey's, Procter & Gamble, and Under Armour have also already severed their ties. This is from Darren Ravel. Uh, and uh, AT&T said 
Uh, we notified USA Gymnastics today. We are suspending our sponsorship of the organization until it is rebuilt, and we know the athletes are in a safe environment. The terrible abuse suffered by these women is unconscionable. We remain committed to helping these young athletes pursue their dreams and hope to find other ways to do so. We stand ready to step back in when USAG has fully addressed these tragic events. Also, Kobe Bryant now, for all the Kobe crew out in L.A., nominated to potentially uh, win an Oscar for his film, Dear Basketball. You Kobe people can lose your minds now. Kobe Bryant may not have as many titles as Michael Jordan, but he's got more Oscar nominations. This is the perfect Kobe uh, capstone for his career so far. All right, Jason Martin, it's time. Do we have audio? I think we do have a sounding board for this now, right? It's time for the Woke Report. For the second time in the three days that I've had to watch SC6, there's nothing woke about the Woke Report. It's just bad show. It's just a bad television program. Basically, all I've seen over the last two shows since we didn't do one yesterday, even though we could have for Friday's SC6, Adam Schefter, Adrian Wojnarowski, Jay Billis, Diana Rossini, Brian Windhorse, Darren Woodson, and yes, Dan Murphy, live from Michigan on the Nasser trial. He's been covering it for months. They were all on there doing interviews with Michael Smith and Jamel Hill. There was no social justice segment of any kind to be found. There has not been one since I've started watching the show. They do this segment towards the end called Doing Too Much, which is kind of a rapid fire, four or five topics. I think it's actually five topics per day, which is basically the His and Her podcast and the His and Her show that they used to do before SC6. But Michael Smith basically sounds asleep by this point in the show. He doesn't really have an authoritative voice anyway, but there are times when you actually can't understand him. Because it sounds like he's basically mumbling at this point, and he's just ready to get off the set and be done with the show. That's how it feels, even if that's not the case. I think the show's going to get canceled. I have been told so do I. by people inside ESPN that the expectation is this show's going to get canceled right after the Super Bowl. So I think they are just playing out the threat. If you're not familiar where the woke report is coming from, Jason Martin was not able to come into work when we got a quarter inch of snow. He was found, tried, guilty by the listeners on the show for dereliction of duty, and I have uh, sentenced him to have to cover the woke report uh, is his coverage of SportsCenter 6 p.m.'s uh, broadcast of the show. And so far, your position is it's not very woke, it's just awful. Yeah, it's just not very good television. They have the It Was a Good Day segment that they do at the end, which is where they can potentially, I guess, throw something in that you could you know assume might be woke but it hasn't been so far we talked about is on the this first show more report. woke than sc6 am i more woke than they are i mean you're certainly talking about politics a hell of a lot more than they are i'm I mean, they, more they, did, woke. they haven't done much of Some, much of anything somebody sent a good uh, a good email to me and i'm trying to find it right now in the final minute of the show which will probably be a disaster but uh, yeah this is from andrew leach you said about five years ago you woke up and started appreciating his greatness are you saying you got woke? I'm talking about Tom Brady. I think I did. Tom Brady may have woke me up. I think I got even more woke thanks to Tom Brady's dominance. Um, but that has been your woke report from Jason I Martin, guess. who is forced to have to watch SC6. We're doubling the viewership for SC6 with Jason Martin having set his DVR 
and being required to watch the show. Tomorrow, Jeff Schwartz will be on. I'm sure we'll have other guests as well. John Campbell from Odd Shark getting you ready with a Super Bowl gambling preview. All that and more tomorrow. Outkick the coverage, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, nearly 300 a.m. FM stations, Sirius 218, XM 202, and download the podcast. Thanks for hanging with us on Tuesday. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.